Well, the title of the sermon is called We Are One in Christ. I hope you had a good afternoon. I hope you're ready to hear God's word and uh, as we want to learn from what he has. And we, uh, we have a theme here today. We want to talk about we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. Um, how many of you remember when you started going to high school? How many of you remember that? Right? Lots of us uh, can probably remember that we were, when we thought about going the first time, I know for me it was a time of difficulty, a time of anxiety, being nervous about meeting new people, new teachers, and new friends, and so forth. And uh, after a while, though, once you start to go, you begin to be able to get used to the people, get used to the building, get used to the teachers, and you make some new friends. And it's all good. But also, like when you're in high school, one of the things that you will notice that's very different from elementary school is that there is a lot of separation and segregation. What am I talking about? Some of you might agree that although high school is supposed to be a place of learning, it's supposed to be a place of developing skills and uh, reading books and, and furthering our knowledge, it can also be a place that can be very difficult for some of us or a challenge or um, a place that we don't want to remember. In high school, we are labeled. Um, things like you're either popular or not popular. Apparently, if you can, for example, play sports, you're popular. If you can sing or if you're gifted or talented, you can dance and do certain things, you are popular. And if you couldn't do some of those things, unfortunately, you were maybe not so popular. These are some of the labels that can happen when we're in high school. I think for myself personally, I don't think I was popular, but I wasn't not popular. How many of you fit in that category? I was the in-between, that gray area. Um, and you know, in high school, like you're either labeled popular or not popular. You're either smart, you're either dumb, you're either, quote, beautiful, you're, you're ugly. Like These are the kinds of labels that can happen when we're in high school. And as we think about these labels, as we think about these things that are walls or divisions that humanity has created, the question is, does God call us to live in separation with each other, or does he call us to live in unity? Is it God who puts walls? Barriers or divisions between people, or does that come from us? Does that come from us? And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to pull out your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. I'm going to read scripture, and then we're going to pray together. And here's what uh, God's Word said. This is Paul. He's writing this, this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he is talking to a Gentile audience. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you are Gentiles by birth and, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who are once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with all of its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. 
For, though, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, Paul says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on this foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you two are being built to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for what you're going to say to us. Thank you for this time together in, in God's house. Thank you that your people have come. And thank you, as Pastor Lisa said, that we can come and, and worship freely. Worship freely. We think about Christians in Russia right now who are not able to evangelize or talk about their faith and so forth. God, we pray that you break that barrier. We pray that you break that wall. We also pray for USA. As, as we were coming here today, we, we, we heard about three more officers being shot and three in the hospital. God, we pray that you would break down the spirit of hate and the spirit of hostility. God, we know that as we pray, walls are coming down because Jesus breaks every wall. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the whole sermon's all about for tonight, that we are one in Christ, one in Christ. And as Paul is writing this letter to the church, he is saying to the Gentile church that remember, he starts with, remember you were formerly called uncircumcised group. And the letter is showing us that there are two groups of people that Paul is talking about. He's talking about the Jews, he's talking about the Gentiles. Just like in our day and age, we don't really talk about Jews and Gentiles, but we say that some people are popular, some people are not popular, some people are rich, some are poor, educated versus the uneducated, females versus the males. In their time, the stark contrast was Jews and Gentiles. The question is, what was the difference between these two groups? The Gentiles were non-Jews. And the Jews were the chosen group that God called to be the chosen nation to be a light to the world. Not because they were special. This was just God's calling that they would be the ones to be the nation that was supposed to be a light to the world. The other difference between these two groups is that the Jews followed the laws of God. They were given the Ten Commandments. They were given customs. They were given the, um, the commandment to follow the Sabbath laws. And they were also told that in order to be different or set apart, that they need to be circumcised. Gentiles were not circumcised. And so Paul begins to say to the Gentiles here, listen, you are different because of the following reasons. If you have your Bibles, verses 12, 12 all the way to, I believe, uh, 13 will give us the differences. Firstly, they were different because he says in verse 12, remember at the time you were separate from Christ. And then secondly, he says, Gentiles, you were different because you had no citizenship with Israel. That means they were excluded from what Israel was doing. Thirdly, he says, you were foreigners. What does that mean? Well, God had made a covenant with Abraham, and through Abraham, his line would be blessed. But that was not given to the Gentiles, per se. Fourthly, he says, you were a people without hope. And five, he says, you were a people, a God, a people without God in the world. These were the five characteristics that Paul outlines in this passage that describes the Gentiles, which also applies to us today when we were people that did not know Jesus, did not know God. But verse 13 in this passage gives us an encouraging hope. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away has been brought near through the blood of Christ. So he's saying here, before you, before you didn't know Christ, before you were far away from God, now, 
because of the blood of Jesus, you and I are near to Christ. And that's point number one. Every person can be near to God because of Jesus Christ. This is good news. This is the gospel news. And if you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know, I'm not good enough for God. I have made all these mistakes. And you know what? Scrap all that. Hit the delete button. Delete as you think about your computer. Hit delete. And think about that. God gives you the ability to be near to him because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're brown, black, white, yellow, purple, green, however you want to describe yourself. You can be near to God. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money in your bank or you don't have a lot. You can be near to God. It doesn't matter if you've done a lot of wrong things or maybe you haven't done a lot of wrong things. You can be near to God. It doesn't matter if you're short or tall. You can be near to God. The Word of God says that the blood of Jesus Christ brings us near to God. Brings us near to God. And the Gentiles, they were far away from God. They were alienated. They were far from God. They were not near to the Lord. They were a people without hope. And truthfully, if you really think about it, before any of us gave our heart to Jesus, we were a people without hope. We did not have any hope. But because of Jesus, we do have hope. I shared this morning that when I was a kid between like five and eight, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was eight. When I was five, I remember just thinking about these things like I would get up in the morning, brush my teeth, have breakfast, go to school, come home, do my homework, do the same thing the next day. Get up, brush my teeth, so forth. I'm sure in between I, I agitated my parents, but we'll leave that out, right? And so for me, that was my routine. And I remember one summer I was at my grandmother's house and you know how some of you parents like to drop off your kids because you don't want to take care of your children anymore. That's what my parents probably did. And so my sister and I, we were at my grandparents' house, and I remember waking up one morning, and I say to myself, there has got to be more to this life than this. There's got to be. And um, thankfully, when I was eight, I went to church, and I remember the Jesus film was being shown, and... And I right away, right away gave my heart to Jesus because this is what I needed. This is what I was waiting for. There was a hole in my heart and God filled it through his son, Jesus Christ. And so this is the hope that we carry as believers in God. And every person can be near to God because of Jesus. Every person, doesn't matter what they have done. Secondly, every person can have peace with God and peace with others, or one with another, because of Jesus Christ. In this letter, the word peace occurs eight times in the book of Ephesians. What does this word peace mean? It is a very rich word. In Hebrew, we say it's shalom. This word means wholeness, means physical well-being, that means good health. It means prosperity. It means security. It means good relations and integrity. And here's the whole thing. God desires each one of us to have peace, to have peace in our lives. And there are three things in this, three, uh, if you want to like write it 2A, B, and C, there are three things to think about as we think about this word peace in God. First of all, Christ is our peace. And Christ allows us to have peace with others. And C, Christ preaches peace. And so, again, Christ is our peace. Christ makes peace, allows us to have peace with other people. And Christ preaches peace. And so these are important things for us to remember as we think about this theme of we are one in Christ. 
God's word says in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. For he himself is our peace. And you know, when you think about all the things that are going on in this world right now, you know, all the things that we are seeing on the radio and on the news and on the internet, people dying, people grieving, people mourning, war and lack of integrity and so forth as we keep filling and hearing these things and, and we think about these things, why do you think these things are happening? Why do you think these things are happening? Because many people don't have peace with God. They don't have peace with God. And Christ is saying to us today, we can have peace with the Lord through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. Now, what is the big barrier between us and the Lord? It's sin. It's sin. Romans 3.23 says, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are born sinners. We're not born good. The word of God says each one of us is born with a sinful nature. What that means is we have a tendency to do what is wrong. We have a tendency to gravitate to the things that are not of God. So we have a tendency to go one way. But when you give your heart to Jesus, when you say, God, come in my heart, Jesus, come in my heart, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose on the third day. Now you're going in the other direction. Now you're walking away because we are repenting from our sins. And the moment you give your heart to Jesus, our life changes. Our life changes. We no longer want to hang out with the same people. We no longer want to be gossiping at work. We want to use our money wisely for the Lord. We live differently. We think differently. We live differently. We want to follow the ways of God. Amen? And Romans 5.1 says that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So the change in our behavior and attitude and mind all stems from our relationship with Jesus. If you're somebody here today and you're struggling with something, you would say you're a Christian and you're struggling with something in your life. Remember now, everything's a journey. We have a journey with God. If you're struggling, let me remind us that as we spend more time with God, the things that we struggle with will begin to dim away, like the songwriter says. If we turn our eyes to Jesus, those things will dim away. So the more we spend time with the Lord, the more we spend time in his presence, the more we will be able to follow the spirit of God. But if you continue, if we continue to follow the ways of the world, the ways of Satan, and uh, our desires, our thoughts, and our cravings, this is uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, this is what Paul is saying, we're not going to make it. We're going to fall into sin and fall into temptation. But when we give our heart to Jesus, it's a life change. Amen? And then 2B would be that Christ makes peace with others. It says here in verse 14, Jesus, he himself made one new man out of two, thus making peace. And it says also, he has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So this is good news for us. Jesus tears down every wall, tears down every division, tears down hostility between humans, tears down barriers. The word of God says in verse 14, he's making the two one. Why does it say that? What does the two represent? He's talking about, Paul's saying, he's taking the Gentiles, he's taking the Jews, and in Christ, they are now one. They are now one. Paul is saying, there is no more hostility between you two. Jews, stop hating the Gentiles. Gentiles, stop hating the Jews. This applies to our own life circumstance today. If there's somebody in your life right now that you don't like and so forth, and you don't, you, you know, you're closer to hate, to, God is saying to us today, that's it, stop. That does not happen anymore. We are Christians, we are followers of Jesus, and we are one in Christ. One in Christ. 
And so this is what Paul is saying. Now, why do the Jews and Gentiles live separate anyways? Well, here's the problem. The Jews, they were chosen by God to do God's work. And they had their own laws like the circumcision, keeping the Sabbath, food laws that made them different and separate. And again, God wanted them to be different, to be a light to the nation. But in time, that became sort of a pride issue because they began to think they were better than the Gentiles. Call them names. If you read some of the other um, New Testament, uh, New Testament uh, passages, they would call the Gentiles dogs. Dogs. And, uh, and so they had this attitude of pride that they were better. And in our day and age, that can happen to us too. We can certainly see areas in which we might have hostility towards somebody. When somebody, when, where somebody might think they're better than another, when somebody does not want to talk to another person because of some sort of characteristic, this is what we can say an attitude of pride. And so let me ask you a question. Do you have peace with the people in your life? Do you have peace with your spouse? Do you have peace with your children? Do you have peace with your family members? Do you have peace with your coworkers, with your friends? Again, why are these walls created? Why are, there, why are these walls created? These walls are created because we have created them. We have created them. Now, the PowerPoint won't have this, but here are some walls that we have created. First of all, there's the, the, the wall of, letter A, spirituality or religion. This is the wall between Christians and non-Christians. As a Christian, we have to be very careful that if we have given our heart to Jesus, that we do not look at the non-believer as nobody, that we don't look at the non-believer and be like, well, that's just what they do. They're, they're just like that. That's what they do. They, they go and do drinking and drugs and, and partying and so forth. Uh, well, remember, one day we were them, right? And so we can't have this us and them mentality because them used to be us. And so we have to be very careful that we don't have this prideful attitude. Remember, we have received the gift of grace in our lives. And Ephesians 2.8 says, it is by grace we have been saved. Nobody here has done anything to make Jesus love, love, him, love us better. Jesus just loves us. And he loves that brother or sister that you've been praying for, that person that you would like to see and have known Jesus. So we have to be very careful that we don't have this wall of spirituality or religion. Secondly, letter B, we don't have this wall of race between us. Racism is the idea that, that some races are better than others and that race should dominate. If you find yourself comparing yourself to other groups and say, well, that's just what they do. Those kinds of people, they're cheap. Those kinds of people, they, they, they don't know how to take care of their children. Those kinds of people, and you just fill in the blank. If you find yourself talking about, quote, people like that, you may need to check yourself to see if you may have an attitude of racism. Racism. And you may say, well, my people deserve better. I deserve better treatment. Or, or, um, or and, 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 you know, it's very subtle sometimes. Sometimes we think it's funny. Like, people make jokes about, you know, this group and this group. And, and you know what? It's not funny. It's not funny. The Word of God says we need to make our, sure our talk is wholesome. Wholesome. And we can't even, as Christians, even make a joke about that because it's not funny because here's the truth. Jesus is saying no race is better than any other race because everybody is created in the image of God. 
in the image of God. A third kind of uh, wall would be class, classism. Sometimes we think because we make more money than other people that we deserve to be better treated, treated better. That because, or letter D, job, position, or title. Maybe some of you are managers or directors at your workplace. You know, some of us here were lead pastors in our churches. You know what? I'm a lead pastor at a church, but I'm no better than, than my worship team that comes in and sets up every, every Sunday and doing the hard work uh, before we, we get set up. I have to treat them with respect as they have to treat me with respect because I'm not any better than them. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and we're all servants. And the thing is, like titles, you know, God's not into titles. We're the ones that hunger after these things. If you're a manager or director at work, you need to treat your workers with respect. You know, if they're not coming in on time, well, you have to do your job, tell them that's not right, and they shouldn't be gossiping and wasting time at work. You have to do your job, but you can do it respectfully. You don't have to talk down to people, be rude about it, just because you have the position of a manager or a supervisor. It's important that we work together because God wants us to work in unity. Where there's unity, there's power. And where there's power, God can do his work. But when there's an attitude of racism or classism or, or thinking that we're better than other people, that's where the enemy comes in and likes to tear down and, and build walls and tear down the unity in a family, in a workplace, and so forth. Some of us, maybe we have a big house, nice car. Maybe you drive a nicer car than your, your neighbors. Does that mean you're better than that person? The answer is no. If you have a nice car, great, praise the Lord. But if somebody's driving a 10, 20 car, year old car, you know, for some people, that old car is like their Mercedes because maybe it was donated in a gift from the Lord. And so we cannot compare ourselves to other people and think we are better. Your house, maybe you have 600, 600 square foot, 2,000, 3,000, 44. Just because you have a bigger house than somebody, does that mean you're more important? The answer is no. The answer is no. Because at the end of the day, none of this goes with us when we go to heaven. None of it. None of it. Gender. Sometimes males think they're better than females. Sometimes fe females think they're better than males. That can be an attitude. Education. Just because you have your doctorate, Okay, me and Pastor Lisa, right? <laughs> Just because you have your doctorate or your master's or your college degree, university or whatnot, does that make us better than anybody? No. That's what my family says. No. <laughs> yes, we worked hard, but do we disrespect others? No. The answer is no. And then there's some people think because they're, quote, better looking than others. Well, name any names. Not going to name any names here. They think they're better looking. They should be treated better. Unfortunately, if you're, quote, better looking than somebody, you do get treated differently. Or if you're driving a car. That's what society values. But this is not what God values. Because according to God, according to God, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, because you are this race, because you make this amount of money, because you have all these possessions, because you're female or male, because you're educated, because you're beautiful. It doesn't say in the word of God, you are better. But what it does say in the word of God, according to God's word, we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. And James chapter 2 says it the best. Verse 1, my brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus, don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. And verse 9 of that same passage says, if you show favoritism, 
If you treat somebody disrespectfully, if you think you're better than somebody, this is what he's trying to say, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Let's hear that again. If we show somebody favoritism because of a characteristic, God is saying in his word, we have sinned. That's serious. We cannot take this lightly. And you can see today that because some people have taken it lightly, we are in the trouble that we are in today. And it is heartbreaking to see on the news what's going on. All because of this. Wrong attitude, wrong behavior. Not seeing the other person as a sister or brother in Jesus. Genesis, Genesis uh, says we are all created in the image of God. That means I need to be respectful to every person, even if they disrespect me. Even if they disrespect me. And that's hard to do. Galatians 3.28 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female, for all of you are one in Jesus. All of us are one in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I want you to hear this story. This is about a young man who unfortunately didn't have, um, he said at age four, his parents had become divorced, and later his father suffered from mental illness. He said every time he saw his father, he said that he was either in the mental hospital, he never was in his right state of mind. He's like, I didn't understand why he was the way he was. By the time this young man got to high school, he was drinking heavily and he had a very violent temper. He says, when you don't have a father in your life, you try to be a man in different ways, always trying to fight. And he says, I could, I could just, if anybody disrespected me or if I felt offended, he said he would just go off. He, would, he wouldn't be afraid to hurt somebody. By the time he was 20, he did jail time. And at one time when he was in jail, he connected with a white supremacist group called the Aryan Brotherhood. Growing up, he said he was a racist, and I was attracted to this group because I wanted respect. I wanted respect, I wanted to be part of a family, and I wanted people to fear me. So he joined the Brotherhood, and he says that before I joined the Brotherhood, I wasn't a good person, and I wasn't off the deep end, I would get drunk, I would get rowdy, I would be drinking, I'd be partying, but once I got with this brotherhood, he said, I turned very cold, I turned darker, I got even worse and more hateful, just full of hate. So he continued on this life of crime, of alcohol and drugs, and he totally was involved with these kinds of things because he was trying to numb the pain that he was feeling in his heart. He's like, I was selling drugs, of course, robbing, did everything in the book. The only person in his life that had any hope for him was his grandmother. God bless the grandmothers, amen? She was a Christian who prayed for him constantly. He says, I, know, I knew something was different about my grandma. She was real, and her prayers and her God, that she served a real God. But he's like, I didn't want her praying. And so she would call him and say, I'm praying for you, Zach. And he was thinking in mind, I don't want you to pray for me. Eventually... This young man started thinking about suicide. I didn't, he said, I didn't care about life. I didn't care about people. I had no hope. I had no happiness. I had no joy. One day after being cornered by the police for um, theft and drug possession, they wanted to shoot him. And because he had so much anger and, 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 and hate in his heart, he, he began to challenge them. He's like, come on, let's do this. He wanted to fight with them. And so what they did is they sprayed him with mace and 
tackled him and arrested him. Because of his history of crime, they decided to put him in, into uh, confinement. They also learned about his uh, connections to the, to the Brotherhood. And so while he was in confinement, he said this was the time he was stuck in a cell every day. And he said, everything was crashing down on me, and I started praying to God, but I didn't know Jesus. Shortly after, one of his inmates gave him a radio. The only channel with the clear signal was a nearby Christian station. Isn't that funny? I was telling the group this morning, that's pretty funny. The only clear signal was the one for the Christian station. And he said he stopped and he listened to the radio station, and the man on the radio began to preach the gospel, saying that Jesus came, he's the son of God, he's perfect, he came and died for our sins, Christ has no sin in him, and that if we believe, all we have to do is repent and make Jesus our savior. He said when he heard that, he said, that's all I needed to hear. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And he began to hit the ground where he was staying, and he began to cry and bawl out to God to ask God to forgive him as God showed him that he was selfish and that he was hateful and that he needed to get rid of the evil in his life. So this young man says his grandmother's prayers and these preacher's words finally pierced his heart. I want to say to all of you today, if you're praying for somebody, don't give up on your prayers. This grandmother prayed for this young man and then he began to turn away from evil. And he began to repent and ask God to forgive of the sins. And he knew that Jesus was real because Jesus came into his life. And he began to experience the change that was necessary for him. And so the only problem he had was he was still part of this supremacist group. And he didn't know how to solve this. So what he did is he asked the Lord for direction. And he wrote them a letter. And he said, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm done. I'm out. I take full responsibility for my actions. But I'm done with this. And, and he sent out the letter. And he was thankful they never returned a letter back or contacted him. He said the Lord took care of that. In 2012, this man is now active in a local church in Dallas. He also loves telling people about Jesus and the transforming, transforming power of Jesus Christ. He said, everything that was in me, the hate, the sin, the unforgiveness, everything that was in me was taken off, and I just felt relief and freedom. He said, I found happiness for the first time and hope for the first time. He says, my savior is Jesus, my father, and my friend. He's everything, and everything I need is in Christ. This man made peace with God, and then he was able to make peace with other people. Jesus makes that possible for you and me. And then lastly, because of Jesus, every person can be part of the family of God. Verse 19 of this uh, passage says, Consequently, Gentiles, consequently, Rosewood friends, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, but now you are fellow citizens with God, people and members of God's household. That's amazing. Before knowing God, before knowing Jesus, we were outsiders. But when you give your heart to Jesus, you are now part of the family of God. You're part of the family of God, which means we are family. You are my brother and sister in Christ. When you cry, I cry. When you're happy, I'm happy. We do everything together. We are together because of Jesus. Each one of us is one in Christ. My prayer today is that each one of us has made that commitment to Jesus and has given our hearts to him. And if you haven't made that step to say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, I want to challenge you today to do so as we come to the end of our service.